Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Giese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. We'll look back at Sunday's Albany Cup, the, the massive victory by U Albany over Siena. Michael Kelly, director of content for the Daily Gazette and uh, college basketball writer, will join me. We'll look back at that game. And then we'll talk college hockey, uh, union men uh, and union women. Uh, the men get back to ECAC hockey play uh, this weekend as they host Princeton and national champion uh, Quinnipiac. And then the women head on the road. Their first game's in three weeks. They go to Quinnipiac on Friday and Princeton on Saturday. So we'll talk to members of uh, both teams. And you'll probably hear Josh Alge, the men's head coach. Uh, he was on our podcast on Wednesday. Uh, he was part of the uh, dais on uh, Tuesday at the media availability. So you'll hear from him as well, as well as players Ben Tupker, Chad Smedrud, and uh, Tyler Watkins. And then I'll talk with former Union hockey player and uh, current Quinnipiac hockey player, uh, Colin Graff. We'll talk about uh, why he left Union and talk about winning the national championship last April. So uh, coming up, we'll talk uh, college basketball with Mike Kelly. We'll look back at that UAlbany victory over Siena in the Albany Cup. So uh, stay tuned. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam. You're listening to the Party Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. If you really want to know what's going on in your community, you have to read the Daily Gazette. We don't take a side. We're right down the middle, and we're going to get to the truth. Our reporters and photographers are out in the field bringing you updates every minute with trust, accuracy, and integrity. From the first page to the last page, independent, probing journalism. We're finding out what's going on in the community where nobody else is covering. It's who we are. It's what we do. Want to get all the latest news from the Daily Gazette on your phone or tablet? We have an app for that. The Daily Gazette app allows you to read all the newspaper stories and columns from our dedicated team of journalists. The app is free. You can download the app from the Apple or Google app stores. Hi, this is Betsy Hume Lynn from the Daily Gazette Company. I hope you and your family have a wonderful holiday season and a prosperous and healthy 2024. Welcome back to the podcast. And Sunday at uh, MVP Arena, we saw a, a blowout of epic proportions. And uh, Mike Kelly, the director of content for the Daily Gazette and college basketball writer, was there to witness it. And Mike, uh, 83 to, oh, sorry, 86 51. How shocking. Did, did anybody see this coming? You all, you all went romping over Siena. Yeah, I think. Um you know, I don't. I don't think anybody saw it coming per se. I think going into the game, though, I thought it was clear. Um, you know, there was a clear talent gap between the two teams, the two programs, um, and I went into the game, you know, expecting Albany to win. Um, you thought Siena had a shot if it was a close, low-scoring game, um, but there was also there was the opportunity, the chance that you Albany, just a much more talented team, they like to get out and run. Um, that if they got it going, you know, Siena's, you know, probably not going to score more than 70 points in a game this year. So that that the game got out of hand was not a complete surprise. 35 points, though, that's, I mean, that's an Albany Cup record. It's a rivalry game. You don't expect something like that. The the previous, you know, most lopsided game was 29 points. Um, so it, it pretty easily beat that. 
um, probably most discouraging and also what kind of helped along that final margin. I mean, there was a stretch in that second half where you could tell Siena was was kind of done with the game, ready to move on, and uh, UAlbany wasn't and, you know, kept uh, fast-breaking, uh, some highlight dunks in that spell. Do you think uh, yeah, Dwayne Killing said, I thought we were trying to make a statement today. Did they make a statement? I think I think they made a statement that they're a much different program from what they were last season, um, you know, when they were 8-23. Um, you know, and it just very much appeared like it was heading in the wrong direction. I think the statement they made was that, you know, the, the basketball community in this area, um, you know, should give them a chance uh, this season to see what they can do. Um, you know, y- you have to look at the game in the context of that this is, you know, what very much appears to be a down year for Siena. Um, but I think you all did make that statement to take them seriously, give them a chance this year. I mean, how important is it for uh, for for Coach Killens? Because I mean, his first two years have not been good. I mean, there's also some issues. He was had a surface suspension. Um, how important? I mean, how critical of a year is this for him personally to get that program back? Because I mean, he hasn't. Had, it's been a struggle so far. On court issues, off court issues, you hit it. Um, I mean, that's that's been there. Um, you know, the program overall now, it's five consecutive losing seasons. New head coach, uh, you know, still relatively, but it's year three. You can't continue to stack losing seasons. Um, you know, I don't know if there's like, you know, if there's there's pressure on him in the terms of, you know, if, you know, if they have a bad year, if he's going to lose his job. I mean, I think if it was similar to last year, that would definitely be in play. Um, I don't think he quite has that pressure, but there is just that pressure. If he's trying to build something, you only do get so long. We're now in year three. It's got to start to happen. Amari Marshall really did a great job on Sunday. In fact, he made the uh, Sports Center top 10 on Sunday night with his dunk there against Seattle. How much uh, of an influence and how good of a player is he? First of all, so I actually did not see. I tweeted out at the time where I, I X'd, I guess. X'd. I X'd. Post. I, I I'm still tweeting. I, I, uh, at the time that I, I, I didn't see that it ended up there, but I thought it would. And uh, credit to Killian Gribben for he gave it a shot on that play, uh, which was uh, the player that Amari Marshall uh, dunked on. Um, I lost the train of the question, though, just with that it ended up on sports. Center. I had missed that. What, what, what were well, we trying well, how, to answer? How, how big of an pl- influence was he in that game? How good of a player is he? <laughs> sure. I mean, he was, um, you know, to go back to, to, to Dwayne Killings for a second, his reputation when he showed up at UAlbany was that he was a tremendous recruiter. Um, these first two seasons, we didn't necessarily see a lot of that. Um, this past off season, he hits the transfer portal, Amari Marshall, Sebastian Thomas, uh, two guys that have plugged right into the starting lineup right away, um, both very talented. That really showed for Marshall this past Sunday. He's been on a steady climb up. He had a rough opener uh, against UMass. Um, you know, since then, you know, I'm, I'm not positive, but it definitely over 20 points per game, especially after the the 33 point showing. Um, super talented wing. Um, there's not a lot of players in the America East when you look ahead who have that combination of size and skill. Um, so he's going to be a matchup problem in that league. Um, so, I mean, that was a, a great showing for him on Sunday. Also, I, and I know especially for these these UAlbany guys who it's, it's a bunch of transfers, it's a lot of new guys, the Albany Cup doesn't necessarily mean the most to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still kind of figuring out that piece of it, the rivalry piece of it. Um, but you know, bunch of fans in the stands, big game atmosphere, and Amari Marshall plays like that. That makes you feel really good if you're a U Albany supporter. For those supporters, I mean, what does that win mean for the program? Did that give them hope? As they, you know, they have, obviously still have more conference games before um, yeah, America East play starts in January. 
Yeah, and I think, and, and we're, we're recording a few hours before the, the, the debut of the Broadview Center. Um, so we'll get kind of an idea tonight who shows up there, what kind of crowd that is. I do think, I mean, th- this is a big thing, though, for this program who, you know, has lost and lost and lost for the last several years. There's been the off-court stuff. Um, you know, they didn't play any home games last year either. So, like, I mean, I don't know if you if it's possible to have lower fan support than maybe what they have right now, just because also if you're a fan, you haven't really seen them. I mean, you could go to Hudson Valley last year, but not a lot of people did. Um, so, I mean, this win this week, it's it's huge for this program in terms of seeing kind of what kind of support, um, you know, they can get behind them. You've been over at the uh, Broadview Center there. What is that place like uh, at, uh, with the remodel? Yeah, it's a cool little venue. Um, you know, it's, it's you know, improved lighting. They've rotated the court. That's the most obvious Explain thing. that to me. I, I mean, I, how do they <laughs> rotate the court 90 degrees? I don't – I mean, that's that's uh, that's not my skill set. <laughs> um, but what I can tell you is when they do it – I also I debated if it's if they rotate it 90 degrees or 270. <laughs> it's not 180. Yeah. That would be the same. <laughs> Um, it takes advantage of the space, though, inside that mm-hmm. building a lot better. When you used to be in that building, you could kind of tell there was just a lot of empty space, and, it, and you felt it. Yeah. Um, this, uh, with both kind of the way they've moved the court around and then the way that they have the seating now, um, it's, it's got an intimate feel to it. Um, you know, I, I'm excited to see what it looks like. I think it's going to be a cool atmosphere. A um, little bit um, attendance-wise, it's actually smaller than the CEFQ arena. Um, that was like 4,500. This is, uh, I think, right about 39. Yeah, I saw, I saw, a thir- I saw the, it was like 38.99. I say, like, why not go up to one to make it? They couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't find that one seat. They couldn't. <laughs> What's funny is, the th- I mean, and, and there's probably actual rules that yeah. govern this, yeah. right? But that, also, that includes like standing room. So they couldn't even say that one extra person, you know, could, uh, could slip in there and stand up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a cool experience for fans. It's, it's, you know, if you look around our area, you know, at the other division one setting, which is MVP arena, Siena, um, you know, that's obviously bigger. Um, this is going to be different than that. Um, I think they have a chance to have a really nice home court advantage if they can develop that. Uh, but I think just as a fan, it's a cool place to go, you know, check out a game. Yeah. Now let's look over to the other side in Siena and you mentioned they basically, uh, I don't, I don't want to say quit or anything, but they basically, you know, gave up on the game. There, we know how their fan base is—a is very rabid fan base—and they're very quick to judge this loss. I mean, what? How does this affect uh, Carmen Mazzarella and the program? Yeah, I think um, I think that one. You know, we might get an answer a little bit Friday night, another home game for Siena. Let's see who shows up for that game after. You know, fans left the other night five, six minutes early, a good chunk of them. Um, I, I think right now they're, they're in a tough spot in terms of kind of that perception. Um, just, you know, they're, they're one in five right now. They've lost five games in a row. You go back to the end of last season, that ended with a losing streak. It's been, it's been a while now since Siena has won, you know, consecutive games or, you know, even a second game. They're like one in 10 or something like that in their last 11 or 12 games. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. one win. Um, it's a young team. Um, there's a chance to play some of these young guys and see kind of what they have. Um, but it's also super early in the year where, I mean, there are some veterans there that, you know, you haven't even played a Mac game yet. I don't know if you want to, you know, quote unquote, give up on the season to go with a, a full youth movement. Um, so they're, they're in a, they're in a weird spot. It's an interesting spot. Um, you know, they've got these two Mac games coming up. So also let's just 
you know, put out there. If they're 2-0 and in the MAC at this time next week, you know, who cares about the Albany Cup? Uh, but right now we care about it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously, you know, losing that game, but like you said, the, the conference play is more important. I mean, you can go 0 for the season in non-conference play, but as long as you, you know, play well in the MAC, uh, get a top seed, maybe get a first-round bye, and down at the tournament in Atlantic City, that's all that matters. Yeah, hey, uh, some people, uh, you know, me would argue, uh, even that conference season, like what you know, it's three games in March. That's yep. <laughs> that's what this level of basketball is. And, and and you know, to go back to your question from before, I mean, that's the thing right now with the Siena fan base and and whoever their coach is is you know they have not played in that NCAA tournament now since 2010. Obviously, what happened in 2020 happened. They look like they're on their way. There was no NCAA tournament that year. Um, so there is some overall just kind of agitation within that fan base because after that great run of success, we're now, you know, it's going to be 14 years by next March uh, from when the team last played an NCAA tournament game. And that very much weighs on the program and its supporters. Does that uh, put extra pressure on Carmen? And does that mean he could be in some trouble? I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I don't I don't get that sense at all. Um, he's got, you know, a couple more seasons on his contract. Um, it's also, you know, it's also I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. I don't want to say it's overwhelmingly been successful. They have not won a MAC tournament title. They have not played in the NCAA tournament. You know, it's been top three finishes, though, in the MAC year after year with Carmen Massarello. That's not something that you would look to mess up if you're leading that athletic department. Um, they at some point need to break through and do more than that. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to be this year. Um, but, no, I mean, I don't think that Carmen Mazzarella is in any trouble, you know, with his position there. Um, definitely at least, you know, a year probably more away from that. I think Sienna in general is pretty happy with its alum who's a co- who's their head coach, who's, you know, generally had a winning record at the school. Um, so, no, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any trouble. I think there is pressure right now, though, because – uh, you know, you don't want to have a five, six win season, which is like where the current projections would have them. Um, so it's, it's got to be better than that or else there would be maybe some pressure develops, but I, I don't see that happening. Have injuries played a part of this? I mean, y- you can't, I mean, there's, there's the, 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 there's two elements with that, I guess you could say. I mean, there's, there's, you know, they're waiting for, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher the last yeah. name, but Sean Duragordon. <laughs> Um, who, you know, they're still hoping that he could become eligible to play this year. It's the transfer situation. He's looking for a waiver. He got denied. There's the appeal. Um, you know, that arguably he's their best player. If he's not, he's their second best player. And the other guy there is Michael Ely, who missed four games. Um, you know, he plays in the season opening win, 24 points, 11 rebounds. He misses four games. They lose all of them. He comes back for the Albany Cup. They lose that game. He scored 20 points. So, you know, it's a team that coming into the year very much built around these two wing guys. One of them hasn't been there at all. One of them's been there for two of the games. They're one and one in those games. So, I, I mean, the the personnel issues have definitely played into it with, with those two guys. Um, the thing for them moving forward, though, is, you know, you have to at this point expect that you're not going to get Dura Gordon back. Um, so the team that was on the floor for the Albany Cup the other day, that's that's uh, that's the team. They got to figure it out. Yeah. Well, Michael, appreciate a few minutes talking Albany Cup and you Albany basketball and Siena basketball. And we'll talk some more uh, down the road as we get closer to conference play. As you said, Siena 
has two games in the MAC this weekend. Of course, you all wait till after the uh, first of the year. So uh, thank you again. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, it's Michael Kelly. We'll uh, talk uh, college hockey next uh, with union men and women. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast. Meet Andrew Waite. He's a dedicated journalist with a passion for research and a commitment to getting all sides of the story. Whether it's a local issue or an upstate trend, I do the stories and interviews that shed light on what's important to you. Stay informed. Read Andrew Waite in the Daily Gazette. It's my job to offer commentary about what's happening in our community and what it means to our readers. The Gazette, reporting based on accuracy and integrity. It's who we are. It's what we do. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Ted Remsnyder. I would like to wish you a happy holiday season and a great 2024. Welcome back to the podcast. And uh, Union Men's Hockey gets set to uh, return to ECAC hockey action uh, this weekend. Their final league games before the uh, Christmas break. Uh, Princeton and Quinnipiac come into town. A couple of uh, good storylines here. First of all, if you remember last March, uh, Princeton upset Union in the uh, first round game of the ECAC hockey tournament. Of course, last year was the first year of the one-game elimination uh, format, which I think still coaches are not happy about. And you heard Josh Algie's thoughts on that on uh, the Wednesday podcast. Uh, so that's going to be Friday night, 7 o'clock at Messerink. And, and on Saturday, the defending national champions come in, Quinnipiac. Um, 4 o'clock start on Saturday, so that should be an interesting game and see how Union handles things. If you remember last year, Union uh, was beaten by a combined score of 12-2 to in the two games. Then the 4-1 game here at Union, it was a game where our Union did not get a shot on goal in the first period. And they, Josh Halge, after that game, said that they gave uh, the Bobcats too much respect. So, um, interesting, like I said, interesting games coming up. Uh, just to let you know, I will not be there uh, this weekend. Um, I have some duties here in the office I have to take care of. So, Will Springstead will be covering Friday's game, and Mike McAdam will handle Saturday's game. So, follow those guys on uh, X if you get a chance. Um, so... Uh, we uh, on Tuesday it was Union Media Availability Day. Uh, of course, as well for the women, we'll talk about the women in just a moment. Uh, on the dais and was uh, Ben uh, Tupker, uh, Chaz Smedrud, and Tyler Watkins, along with head coach Josh Halji. Normally, during those media availabilities, uh, Josh Halji talks first, and then the players come. But uh, there was some. But uh, then Tuesday was just things that were handled a little bit differently. So, you know, you heard Josh Halji on the, on my uh, podcast interview with him on Wednesday. You'll so you hear him again on this edition of the uh, podcast. So here are Josh Halji, uh, Ben Tupker, Chad Smedrud, and Tyler Watkins. Well, guys, um, yeah, Princeton and Quinnipiac coming to this weekend. Let's, let's start with Princeton. Uh, they knocked you out of the uh, playoffs last year, Josh. I mean, is this a revenge game, or do you look at that, uh, that way? I mean, I think we're aware of, about that fact, and that's in the back of our mind, but we're just kind of focused on ourselves right now, making sure we're playing our best hockey and um, trying to build off of the two games we just, just had. Chaz, is that still in the back of your mind, what happened last March? Yeah, we definitely remember that they ended our ended our year last year, but it's not, not the main thing going into the weekend. 
thoughts? Yeah, kind of similar to what they said. Like, we all, guys that were here, we all remember that. The new guys have been made aware of that, obviously. Um, and so we're just kind of going into this week, focusing on what we can control and building off the last weekend. Ben, how tough, how long did it take for this team to get over what happened in March? Uh, I mean, I think it takes a little time. Like, obviously, just over the spring term and, and the summer, it still sting, stings and kind of sits with you. But um, at the end of the day, as soon as the new guys got on campus and, you know, the new year started, I think we put that aside and just got focused on uh, everything ahead. Todd? Yeah, um, Tyler, for you, is there is there a little different vibe um, coming off of last weekend, you know, with a series sweep, um, you know, just a little more positivity around it uh, going into the, the weekend? I think, like, all year we've uh, we've done a pretty good job of remaining positive around the rink and things like that, but obviously it's never easy to sweep a weekend in college hockey, so I think that that was a big step for us as a team, and I think that gives us confidence going into next weekend. Josh, this is the uh, last league games of 2023. How important is it, especially with the national champions coming in on Saturday, I mean, how important is it to try to you know, get some points this weekend and uh, put yourself in a position to be uh, you know, have some momentum when you get back to the league play in January? Yeah, I mean, it's a log jam in the standings right now. Yeah. You know, one win makes you, you know, jump. It can jump jump you seven or eight spots. So, I mean, it's it's important for us to bank some points, especially at home. And, um, you know, it's it's two really good teams, so we got to, you know, try to find a way to, to do that. Princeton's played a lot of overtime games this year. They've been resilient in that, uh, I mean, how tough of an opponent will they be on, uh, thir- on Friday? Yeah, they skate really well. Um, you know, have some high-end forwards. I think they're, they're D are active in the play. Um, you know, they, they play physical. They... They've pushed the pace. Um, they've had three different goaltenders play, so that'll be, you know, I think, you know, it's getting to, getting to the net. I think all three are pretty good goalies, but um, it, it'll be a tough test, but I think one one we're ready for. Jasmine, how important is it you get with the, get the momentum you guys built over the weekend? You played solid both games against Stone Hill. How, how important is it to keep that going on Friday? Yeah, it's super important, especially the first 10 minutes. We want to focus on having a good start into the weekend, and it'll be really big for us. Tyler, how important is man? You know, you don't want to look ahead, but obviously last year when you played Quinnipiac here, that first period, guys did not have a shot on goal, and I think Josh said you gave them too much respect. I mean, how important is it to you know be able to give them respect but not go overboard? I think that just comes down to like respecting them as a team, but respecting ourselves as a team and having confidence in ourselves as well. So just playing the way we want to play, not worrying about. Uh, so much what they're doing. How important is this weekend? As I asked Josh, I mean, how important is this weekend with the uh, last league games until January? Yeah, I mean, I think he touched on it. It's super important, obviously. Standings are super tight right now, so um, getting as many points as possible early uh, it's, it's been a key for us all year. Ben, for you, the same question. With how important is this weekend? I mean, you love, obviously you love to be able to sweep, but how important is it to play well and maybe at least get some points this weekend? Yeah, I mean, anytime league points are on the line, I think, you know, the games matter even more. So, yeah, like Coach said, it's a log jam up there, and we want to start to kind of put some distance uh, between ourselves and some other teams. So um, it's a great opportunity for us. How important is it to, to give it a opponent, not, don't give an opponent too much respect, like Quinnipiac? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that obviously it's um, – you know, no secret they're a good team, but at the end of the day, I think that uh, we have a ton of confidence in our group and understand how good of a team we have. So, um, 
like Chas touched on, I think the first 10 minutes are super important, and we're going to try to be the ones to take it to them. The round three of you and your brother Zach this time with a different uh, opponent. Uh, wh- why do you think he chose Quinnipiac? Did he ever tell you why? Um, yeah, I mean, I just think the success that they have there, and I think, um, you know, he has a lot of respect for their staff, so um, I'm really happy for him. He seems to be loving it there, so, yeah. Obviously, you couldn't get him here because he's a graduate student. It's a graduate program. Would have been kind of nice to be able to play your senior year with him? Yeah, absolutely. It would have been awesome, but, um, yeah, that opportunity obviously never presented itself just because we don't have a grad school. Hey, coach, uh, quick question. Is it? I know it's a challenge each uh, each weekend, especially in conference with different opponents. But do you have to be mindful. You know, you want to focus on Princeton, take care of business Friday night, but also the defending national champs are coming in Saturday. And and you do anything extra, just make sure you're you're thinking Friday. Yeah, we've just straight focused on Princeton at this point. As a staff, I mean, we're we're watching both teams but you know, we don't we don't mention the second opponent until Saturday morning we just kind of focus on our game at hand um, and I, I mean obviously it's a big game but every game in league right now is really important and these these points against Princeton are, are huge for us anything else John no I'm now let's talk about the Union women's hockey team. The Garner Chargers are playing their first two games in three weeks. They had a little bit of a longer break than the men did. Um, so they'll get back to action this weekend with a couple of road contests. They'll head down to 7th-ranked Quinnipiac and then take on 12th-ranked Princeton. Now the Quinnipiac game is Friday and Princeton is Saturday. So a tough way to get back into action for the Garnet Chargers. Uh, those two league games this weekend will not be the last uh, league uh, games uh, in December for uh, Union. Uh, the women still have a home-and-home series next weekend against RPI, so that should be a lot of fun to talk about that one next week. But let's look ahead to this weekend's matchups. Here are our head coach, Josh Skiba, and team captain, Emily King. Guys, how good is it to be playing again after three three week uh, hiatus? I'm pumped to be back. It's kind of it's it's like we're, I like practicing throughout, but it's also fun to have a game at the end of every week to show like what you've been working on. How tough is it? I, mean, I know you had exams, but then you don't play with Thanksgiving. The men do. I mean, how tough was that to have an extra week uh, not having a game? I would say it was nice to go home for the first time in like four years for Thanksgiving, but it was, it was, I mean, we always want to be playing, but I think that we got to use these two weeks to our advantage and we all got to regroup. We got to, you know, focus on testing and then we got to practice a lot more and we had, I think, really productive practices, uh, doing a lot of defensive work, um, a lot of talking and team building, and I think that the two weeks might will end up being an advantage for us coming into this weekend. Josh, for you, what's, what was the time off like for you? Um, I think it was great. It was, it was great for, I mean, like Kinger said, just for our team, I think just to kind of hit reset. Classes are done now, uh, be able to spend some time with their family and, and have some time away from the game to, to disconnect, I think was good. But um, just the practices were great. It allowed us to be really intentional um, with, with certain things that we want to work on going into Quinnipiac here. And, you know, we had a great week of, of practice going um, into, like, exams um, and coming out of exams, and I think we've started this week off with some really good practices. You can tell that the group is just really refreshed, so uh, we're excited. We're excited to keep going this week here. Does the time off give you a chance to look at some tape and see what you need to correct? 
Um, yeah, I think we're, we're always looking at tape to see how we can be better, for sure, right? And I think for us, I mean, a couple things that, that we want to be better at, we, we want to build some more predictability into our game. I think we're, right now, we're, we're a team, I think that's probably one or two plays away from really making things more special for our group, right? You look at the game against Yale, um, even the game against Brown, our, our most recent games, where we're just looking for, for someone to take charge and make one or two more plays that could change the outcome of, of that game. And, you know, so we're trying to build into build predictability into how we want to play and, and put ourselves in different situations. So when chaos happens and we know what to do with the puck when we have it in certain situations. And then I think the other thing is just developing that killer instinct for our group. It's more of a mindset piece that we're trying to create, you know, and just making sure that we know, um, hey, we have the confidence and, and the belief in ourselves that we can make plays, that we can finish, that we can score, that we can defend well. Um, and just continue to push that forward for us. We have another tough weekend going to Quinnipiac, going to Princeton. Uh, what I mean, do you expect some rust uh, going into Friday's game at Quinnipiac? Um, yeah, there's probably going to be a little bit of rust, but I mean, we'll, we'll push through that stuff. I think our group's well conditioned. They're physically prepared. I think they're excited to play. So, um, yeah, there might be a little rust in terms of uh, actual game format, uh, but we're trying to do things in practice here that simulate game situations so that we're even more prepared for, for Friday. Ellie, your thoughts about possible rust? Um, I think there might be some room for it, but also, I mean, Sometimes it's nice to have a little bit of time off and regroup and come back even stronger than before, and maybe they'll be a little bit worn down. Maybe they want a break. They're waiting for Christmas break, and I think having some time off could be an advantage for us. What will be the key on Friday night against Quinnipiac? He just mentioned that killer instinct, but I think that us just finishing on plays, um, being first to pucks, uh, back-checking, I think blocking shots, just kind of playing as a team together and focusing on those little details will really help us come out on top. We'll keep the college hockey theme going in just a moment. We'll hear from uh, Quinnipiac forward and former Union College men's hockey forward, Colin Graff. Uh, we'll get his uh, thoughts on why he left Union a couple of years ago. It was our first chan- chance to get it. In touch with Colin, so it was an interesting conversation. So uh, stay tuned here on the Parting Shots podcast. Hi, this is Daily Gazette editor Miles Reed, and you're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. College hockey's elite teams, coaches, and student athletes. ECAC Hockey, 12 programs competing at the highest level. A league where champions are born and world class professionals are trained. Where history is abundant and a commitment to the cutting edge is unrivaled. The best facilities, the fiercest competition. ECAC Hockey, there's no experience like it. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Natasha Von Holdridge. I would like to wish you a happy holiday season and a great 2024. Welcome back to the podcast. As I mentioned in the top of the Union Men's Hockey intro, uh, Quinnipiac will be here Saturday at Messerink at 4 p.m. Uh, the Bobcats will be at RPI on Friday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, Quinnipiac ranked fifth in the U- latest USCHO.com poll and number four in the USA Hockey Magazine USA Today poll. And on Wednesday, I got a chance to talk with uh, 
Quinnipiac player Colin Graff. And of course, he was a former member of the Union men's hockey team, played in the 2021-22 season. That was the first season that Union played after sitting out the uh, 2020-21 season because of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Colin had a decent year, had 11 goals and 11 assists for 22 points, finished second on in scoring uh, for the team. But of course, that was a tumultuous season for the for the team. Um, Rick Bennett re- resignation late January after uh, uh, investigation was his coaching methods and, uh, and so he, Rick Bennett resigned and that was just a whole strange situation and then uh, shortly after the season ended when uh, Union was eliminated by Clarkson in the ECAC hockey tournament quarterfinals, uh, Colin Graff entered the transfer portal and ended up at Quinnipiac and he had an explosive year last year led the team in scoring with 59 points was a Hobie Baker top 10 finalist. And as I said, he helped um, lead them to the national championship in April against Minnesota, 3-2 overtime victory down in Tampa, Florida. Uh, Graf right now second on the team in scoring. He's missed five games. He had a couple of injuries uh, this season, but he says he is healthy. You'll hear about that. And he'll explain why he decided to leave Union after his freshman year. So here's my conversation with Quinnipiac forward Colin Graf. Well, first of all, Kyle, I want to ask you, what's it feel like to be a national champion? Uh, it was a really special feeling. It was, uh, it was a great team to be a part of. It was a once-in-a-lifetime feeling, obviously. There's really not many words to describe it. It was just, it was honestly a blur after. It just, just don't really know if it still kicked in, but, you know, it's, it was great. And the way you guys won that in dramatic fashion, I mean, you rally from a 2-0 deficit, score late uh, in the third period, and that face-off play to win it in overtime. Just what was that feeling like, you know, that, you know, to suddenly become a national champion? Yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, going into OT, we were confident since we had all the momentum. But obviously, I didn't really think that it would end that quickly. And once we scored, I, I was sort of like, like, oh, nice, we scored. And then, like, once it kicked in, that, like, we just won, like, that went crazy. So, yeah, yeah it was a special well, I, I had a chance, did not have a chance to talk to you last year. I wanted to um, catch up with you a little bit here. Yeah, you had your, you had a good year, your freshman year at Union, and um, then you entered the transfer portal. What 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 the, what the, what was the decision behind that? Yeah, um, well, I committed under Rick Bennett, and he was the coach there my freshman year for the first half of the year, and I thought he was great. And you know, unfortunately, he had to. Uh, he had to step away from the program in the, the middle of the year there. And then there was just uh, there was a lot of uncertainty with um, with the union program for hockey about what was going on. So I thought that it was it was best for me if, in my career if I went into the portal and, and went somewhere where there was more certainty, I'd say. What was that situation like? I mean, obviously, you know, Rick was forced to resign over what something happened at the, that Clarkson game uh, up there. I mean, <sighs> What was that whole situation like, just being a part of that? Yeah, I think it was it was surprising. It was just, I still remember, it was just a random day where they just sort of said, yeah, he's got to, uh, it was under investigation, and then came out of nowhere, and then I think it was like a week later where he was done. But it was, I, I just, I'd say it's surprising. It was surprising. Yeah. So, uh, what led you to Quinnipiac? I mean, obviously, they're you know, a great program here in ECAC hockey. What what led that uh, decision to go there? I mean, and, and what other schools maybe were, were you looking at? Yeah, I think that 
the, um, the reason I decided on Quinnipiac was there, there were probably two main things. The first thing was the the winning culture there. They've had a lot of a lot of really good seasons in a row, and I, I wanted to be a part of that. And the other one was opportunity. Um, as a as a righty forward, there's like I, I I know where like I'd be slotted in a lineup, and the opportunity was there for me to go out there and try to obviously I had to compete for it, but opportunity. So yeah, I'd say the winning culture and opportunity were the two main things. I mean, as for like good goals, it was. I wanted to stay in the East because I'm, I'm from outside of Boston, so I wanted to stay close to home. So I think that was that was really that was really it. Yeah, I mean, did you? I mean, you had you had 22 points at Union. You were second leading scorer uh, in that season, but did you ever expect to explode the way you did last year? Almost 60 points, leading uh, Quinnipiac and scoring and being a uh, top 10 Hobie Baker finalist. No, I didn't expect that at all. I think that's a credit to. The coaching staff here and um, especially my line mates, Jake and, and Sam, who I've been playing with for, for over a year now. I think that's a credit to them. And we just really, once we put together, we really clicked and we, we carried it throughout the year and into this year too. Uh, when we had our uh, conference call with the uh, coaches uh, back in October, I asked uh, Rand about uh, what he liked about you. And he said, you know, he, he believes you're going to be in the NHL one day. What do you think of that? Uh, that's high praise coming from my coach, so I appreciate that. And that's that's nice to hear. Yeah. He's also said that there were a couple of uh, things that uh, maybe deficiencies in your game that uh, he wanted to work on. What, what were those deficiencies uh, you think those deficiencies were, and uh, did you improve on them? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'd say my two main focuses were were skating and strength, and this summer I – I came back to school first week of July to, to work out with our strength coach, Coach B, every day. So I think that I had improved my strength. And then for skating, um, Rand hooked me up with uh, a skating coach down in Stanford, um, Chris Gragnano. And I was I skated with him twice a week in the summer. So I think those were the two things that we agreed I could improve on. And I improved on both of them this summer. Um, I mean, I- Coming in, uh, coming into this year, I think you were injured in the Boston College game, the opening game. If you missed five games, but you're still you know, number two in scoring, um, how do you feel at this point? I feel good. I feel good. Obviously, there's, I was actually injured twice, so that was unlucky. But yeah, I'm healthy now, and I'm back to it. And we've been we've been clicking pretty well, except for that, that last BU game. Um, were you? How serious did you consider um, you know, going in, the turning pro, maybe looking uh, going as a free agent in, in for the NHL after uh, last season? Uh, yeah, I definitely considered it, but I think that when I talked to my family and my, and obviously the coaches and my advisor, I thought that there were, like as I mentioned before, there were things that I could work on, and um, I, I wanted to work on those things to try to give myself the best opportunity. To play when I do turn pro. Well, you guys were here at Mesa last year, and you were in the starting lineup. And when you were announced, I mean, I was shocked. There, there were some boos out there, which I, I thought was kind of strange because uh, I've never, never heard anybody booing a former Union player before. But did you hear that at all? And if you did, what was your reaction? Uh, yeah, I heard that. I thought it was funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know when Gabriel Seeger was uh, back at Union, they didn't boo him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Wait, what, what's the goal of the season for this team? Obviously, you know, 
there, it's been a while since a, a team has repeated as national champions. What do you, what is it going to take to get back there? Yeah, I think that we have we have the our team has the ability to do that if we if we dial in. Obviously, you see it with with some games we played where we looked really good. But I think just consistency is a big one. So I think that we gotta we gotta play every game hard because just at the end of the year like the one game if you don't play well even if one bad period could, could end your season if you're not careful so I think we just got to work on uh, consistency as a team yeah. well Kyle appreciate a few minutes uh, good luck this weekend on your second return to the Capital Region thank you thank you see you this weekend I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Contest in just a moment please stay with us Hi, this is Daily Gazette Opinion Editor Mark Mahoney. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Schott. It's the most historic conference in college hockey. It's a battle night in and night out. ECAC Hockey an iconic conference home to 12 of the most prestigious universities and programs in the world and showcasing the best student-athletes in the sport. Top-notch facilities and arenas, incomparable traditions, passionate fans, alumni who go on to become elite professionals, leaders, and champions. ECAC Hockey, there's no experience like it. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Shenandoah Breer. I would like to wish you a happy holiday season and a great 2024. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 12 winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Contest was Sean Miranick of uh, Schenectady with a 15-1 record. Sean wins a $100 Hannaford gift card. Congratulations, Sean. The VIP winner was Jim DeMarco of Morris Ford with a 14-2 record. I was 12-4, and, and I'm 115-65 and 65 on the season. Adam Schinder was 9-7. and seven. He is 103-67. and 67. I'll announce the U-Pick'em Football Contest winner's name, and that winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the U-Pick'em Football banner. And you can look for my picks at dailygazette.com. Just because COVID-19 mandates are easing, that does not mean you should relax. Be vigilant. If you have not gotten vaccinated or received a booster shot, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Mike Kelly, members of the Union College men's and women's hockey teams, and Colin Graff for being a part of the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shots, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on X and Threads at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports. Good sports.